You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. I don't know if you'll believe me or not, I was sitting in the Arby's drive-thru trying to order my supper. Oh, I love me some Arby's. And now Arby's has Coca-Cola instead of Pepsi, so it's a total game changer. Oh, yeah. What? Dude! Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the Do It Out CFL Podcast. Now they have to kick it out, and they do! Every week, Travis Curra. Does anybody still care about this podcast? And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Are you kidding? This is unbelievable! Ready, set, hunt! Yes, I'm Travis Curra, Brazilian Thai, joining me as well. And we might as well call this the season premiere of the 2018 Two and Out CFL podcast because a week from today, the season is officially underway. This one might be a bit longer. Let's do some housekeeping notes here. This season, we've kind of talked about going two episodes a week. Now, it's not that we want to give you twice the content it's that we want to keep the content fresh so instead of an episode that's 60 to 90 minutes long we'll give you two episodes that are total 60 to 90 minutes so we're looking at maybe releasing monday morning and thursday morning today on the show we're going to do an eastern preview there has been a ton of news to talk about and we're also i want to this time around Maybe make the show a little bit more social. So if you have any comments, any questions you want Brazilian Ty and I to talk about on the show, hit us up on Twitter at 2andoutCFL and uh, Facebook at 2andoutCFL, the the slash, whatever. We've got uh, a lot of cool messages. We asked a question earlier today about Brandon Bridge, so we'll talk about your responses there as well. And, yes, continue to leave those reviews on iTunes because it helps other people find the show. Maybe that's not a good thing then. Maybe don't leave a review. <laughs> we got a couple new ones in the last couple of weeks, so thanks for those new reviews for the Two and Out CFL podcast. And maybe the next time we re-record, we will have a Stanley Cup champion. At the time of recording, we're getting ready for Game 5, Capitals and Golden Knights in Vegas. Um, Brazilian tie. have the Knights run out of magic here? Absolutely. This series is over. Yeah, I, I kind of think it is as well. And could, could you think of a better city to win the Stanley Cup in if the Caps were to close it out in Game 5? <laughs> oh, like the only other one that would be any good would be Nashville, and Pittsburgh did that last year. So Yeah. Yeah, it would be zero fun, I'm sure. <laughs> that is a hockey player's dream come true, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. Braden Hope is going to get to bring the Cup back to Lloyd. So... Hell yeah, that's a dream come true. Can we string that thing in between the border markers on the Sask Alberta border? What? No, I'll just leave it on the Sask side. Leave it on the good side. <laughs> in the huddle with Karan Tai on the Two and Out podcast. All right, there is so much to go through. We'll try and do it within an hour. Uh, let's quickly talk about the games from last week. Montreal beats Ottawa 27-7. to uh, It was Thursday night football. And speaking of Thursday nights, the CFL has announced a Thursday night football concert series. So it looks like they're trying to get the young crowd in for Thursday nights. Kate Burness is going to be hosting the panel on Thursday Hey-o. nights. Yeah, I know Brazilian ties a fan of that. But we're going to have different concerts every every single time. They're all young hip bands. There is no Troopers or April Wines in here. There is some Cardinal Official. He's probably the one that's been around the longest, but I really like what they're doing on Thursday nights. And it's going to bring more exposure, and like you said, oh, yeah. get, get young the younger crowd, which they they need. Uh, you know, it, you don't want it to turn into baseball where the young people don't really aren't interested. Uh, you know, so you, you got to get new fans somehow, and this is just one way they can do it. And speaking of that game between Montreal and Ottawa, Drew Willie started it. He only threw six passes, but I, I don't know if this is saying much. Far and away. He is the best quarterback <laughs> on that team, and I thought he actually didn't look too bad. 
He threw six passes. Travis. Yeah, how do you, I don't know how you evaluate off of six passes, but he's the best option they have, and I'm standing by that yeah. one. Hey, Darren Durant threw six passes last year that basically summed up his entire season. So <laughs> I think we know the ones I'm talking about. <laughs> the ones that are, uh, they're not even on the shoestrings. They're like three feet before the shoes. They might have hit his shoes. <laughs> and if you notice something during the game, the Alouette's helmets were blank. And that's not by accident. They didn't forget to put decals on them for the game. They're doing something but, with their team. <laughs> wouldn't that make sense? <laughs> well, there was a guy's name that was spelled wrong on his jersey. So I, I think that's probably a little bit worse. But they're here, featuring. Here we go again. <laughs> They were featuring retro logos this season, and I think the Alouettes might have the best retro logos in the league. I love what they have. So when the season opens, they're going to be rocking the 1946 logo. In July, they'll have the 1970 logo. In August, they move on to 74, and then September on, it looks like they're going to use their current one. I really like what the Alouettes are doing this year. It It's another way for fans to kind of live in the past a little bit because right now it's i really think it, it's more i think it's a gimmick i really do well it totally um, is a gimmick but you get the fans drunk and wear some old logos they'll feel okay well and that, that's what i'm thinking i think it's going to be trying to make a little bit of money because now you can bring back those t-shirts and you can make other memorabilia with those things on it uh but no i think i think it's going to look pretty cool i don't know i don't know how the old logos are going to look with the new jerseys but yeah that's kind of weird um it might be a little bit of a clash but we'll see the big news from the game, though, it was a sloppy game. It was a preseason game. Montreal didn't even score a touchdown in it. But is injuries. You never want to see a starting quarterback go down, especially in the first preseason game. And Trevor Harris left the game. Apparently it's a knee and ankle injury. It did not look good when it happened. He has said that he's going to do everything he can to be ready for for week one, but man, that's a scary situation for Ottawa fans. That, that's something they cannot have happen. If if they want to have a shot at making the playoffs this year, he has to he has to play all eighteen games and be healthy. Um, and yeah, it, the, it, in your first game of the preseason, you know he's going to be the starter. Like, how many reps do these guys need? Uh, it's just one of those things that you get hurt in a meaningless game and you're out for the year. That really sucks. Uh, but they're saying that it's not serious. So I mean. He's got that going for him. Yeah, they clearly only had him in that game probably because it was in Ottawa. Um, Mm -hmm. Appease the the fans. Although Calgary really didn't care when they were at home. (laughs) Calgary doesn't care about anything. They just care about winning or trying to win. just, Just win, baby. Greg Ellingson was also hurt in that one. I, I think he's going to be okay for week one, but the Red Blacks got to be treading carefully for their second preseason game. Oh boy. And they got to be happy to have Dominique Davis and Danny Collins there. I thought both of them looked okay, and I know the Bombers must be missing Dominique Davis right about now. We'll get to that right away here. <laughs> as far as the Alouettes go, uh, and one more note on the Red Blacks. Drew Tate has been gone, but he's off to Coastal Carolina University. He's accepted a uh, coaching job there. But as far as the Alouettes go, we've learned that Chip Cox has signed a one-year deal to be back with the Owls. This seems like a thing where the old vet didn't want to go through training camp. I think it's his 13th season, so I can't blame him. No, I I don't even like showing up for safety meetings. So <laughs> Only the ones with uh, with uh, brewskis, the right? donuts. And donuts. Donuts, right? Yeah. Oh, there's there's donuts in the conference room. And then I come out with three and nobody else gets any. <laughs> I come out with nine usually here at the station. What's the first choice for you, donut, donut-wise? Oh, maple dip. Maple dip. Okay, we'll get along. I get myself the honey cruller and you get the and maple honey dip. Honey cruller, yeah. I, I, I'm pretty boring when it comes to donuts. Well, at least you don't get the plain one. No, that's, no, that's like no, that's way down the list. Have you seen the Honey Cruller contraption they've got at the Calgary Stampede this year? Yes. Oh, ha, ha. it's I love me some honey and peanut butter. To me, that's a classic. You can never get tired of that sandwich. But they've made it a Honey Cruller peanut butter sandwich with a peanut butter cup in it. Uh, I, I uh, just see, yeah, man, like no peanut butter cups are a no go. Wow. 
I love chocolate. I love peanut butter. You put them together, and it's just gross. And it's a beautiful marriage. Toronto dominates Hamilton 36-18. to 18. Of course, this game is about two things. Turnovers and Johnny Manziel. The Ticats had 10 turnovers. Johnny Football goes 9 of 11 for 80 yards. He's going to play more this Saturday. Originally, the game wasn't going to be on TSN, but of course... Of course, they made a change, and they got Johnny Football in on TSN this Saturday. I think the game starts at noon Eastern. But did you catch how much post-game coverage that game had? I have never seen that. 13 minutes. Well, and then they went right into... Or 13 minutes on SportsCenter. Sorry. They took over half of SportsCenter, it seemed like, yeah. with the press conferences and things like that. They don't even do that for the playoffs, man. Nope. No, it, it's it's Johnny Manziel. I, I don't care that much. It's a preseason game. It means nothing. If he's going to play, play. I, I don't see why he's getting preferential treatment. Like I get that you want to get more eyes on it, but it, it's kind of embarrassing. Although it did translate in the ratings as far as a preseason game goes. I guess oh, yeah. 310,000 people watched it, so they're going to milk that as much as they can. That's why this Saturday's game is going to be on a little bit. And the Manziel post-game conference, uh, he was talking about how he's not backing down from anybody. These guys are talking crap about me. It kind of seemed to me like the Argos got it in his head a little bit. Well, we know he can be somewhat of a mental midget, so I, I, I would hope that everything that plays against him, if he is in the game that they better be jawing at him and see if they get under his skin because you don't know what he's going to do. Yeah, he got real mad even when he got the intentional grounding penalty. So little things like that, it seems like uh, he can get rattled mm-hmm. a little bit. And you know that there's a target on his back because they were talking about practice stats. And any other player in the league is not going to like that. I think Labor Day is going to be a lot of fun between the Argos and Tavies. Oh, I can't wait. Mm-hmm. I'm probably going to have to work, but it I'll, it's going to be unreal. Suddenly things look a bit interesting for the backup quarterback job in Toronto as well. Of course, James Franklin was the big news of the offseason. It was talked about for like two years that the, Chris Jones was going to steal him to Saskatchewan. Well, he ends up in Toronto, and... Franklin had an okay game, but McLeod Bethel-Thompson goes 9 of 11 for 122 yards and two touchdowns. It almost <laughs> looks like that competition is going to continue into the final week of preseason. I, I don't know how much of a competition it is, uh, but they know what they have in Franklin, so I think he's going to be the number two regardless of what happens uh, in in this preseason and training camp, but competition's never a bad thing if other guys are going to step up or if it makes James Franklin play better at some point. It, it all it, It's all for the best, really. I'm also pretty sure that Brandon Burks, uh, running back for the Argos, had the play of the preseason. He had a 27-yard mm-hmm. catch and run for a touchdown. I'm pretty sure there were about 12 missed tackles, and he must have run about 65 yards on the play. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. Well, I was like returning a kick on Madden and running mm-hmm. all the way back and then running all the way back again just so uh, you don't beat your little brother too bad. (laughs) So since this game, we have learned that Corey Chamberlain is off to the University of Arkansas. I guess he's going to be a quality control guy. He wasn't in this game. He wasn't going to be there this season, but that's official. He is off uh, to the United States. And we also learned that Swayze Waters has been cut, and Ronnie Pfeffer wins the kicking job for the Argos. And as for the Tiger Cats... Shamad Chambers has torn his ACL. He's going to miss the entire season. Now they don't have Andy Fantuz, and they haven't signed their number one overall pick, Mark Chapman. That's uh, some pretty serious Canadian talent they've lost at receiver. Yeah, uh, they better figure this out because it, at one at some point in the season, they're going to be in trouble with the ratio. Like It, it happens to every team. At, at some point, something happens where you know you, you need a, you need that seventh Canadian starter somewhere, and it ends up being Sam Hurl. Um, <laughs> it, you don't want to get into this position coming into the year, and it it just like as with Shamad Chambers, like you know 
receiver skill position. If you can if you can put a Canadian somewhere else, it's okay because you got Terrence Tolliver coming back this year. But if you guys aren't going to send the pick, like it just looks so bad. The Bombers end up beating the Eskies by three scores. 33-13 was the final score there. Now the Bombers have a new most popular player in Winnipeg in Chris Strevler. 10 for 10, 140 yards, and one touchdown. If there's one thing I know about the Canadian Football League is if you're a player and you want to get known and you want to be the most popular guy on the team, play backup quarterback. Every fan base will absolutely love you, and uh, looks like Strevler is well on his way. Well, I don't. He might not be the backup yeah, anymore. Yeah, we'll get to that like in <laughs> two minutes here. Ah, <laughs> oh, come on! Uh, since the game, the S have, S have released quarterback Eli Jenkins. Bombers relief release Stephen Clark, and also this is interesting. First overall pick from a year ago. Faith Akakity is on the bubble, and he might be let go. Now, the the sign of a good team is that you're able to make those decisions fast. You're able to say, okay, yes, we spent a first overall pick on him, but we can't waste any more time. This guy needs to go. So, Faith Akakity, number one overall pick, not getting it done in Winnipeg. Josiah St. John, first overall pick in Saskatchewan. Who knows if he's actually injured? Who knows what's going on there? Either way, not getting it done. First overall pick from this year's draft, Mark Chapman doesn't even have a contract. So, (laughs) it looks like first overall is not the best place to be in the CFL draft. It's like the Madden curse. Yeah, first overall pick curse. <laughs> well, it, it's tough to come in and uh, you know make an impact, especially if you're the first overall pick. Maybe you don't have quite the pressure you do in other sports or in other leagues, um, but maybe internally the pressure from your your team and the GM and everybody from the top might be a little much. Uh, but, I mean, if a guy's not getting it done and they don't see anything that's improving, then, yeah, you got to cut ties and you know give that spot to somebody else and you get – you sign your draft picks from this year and next year go back in there and try to make another pick like drafting is not an exact science so you're gonna have this is gonna happen um but it it sucks for for winnipeg and for uh faith so i mean for for anybody to crap on either one of the two it's i don't think it's very founded to be doing that because this stuff happens all the time but the big news in Bomberland is Matt Nichols was dropping back and ends up going down. No contact. And when you hear non-contact injury, it usually doesn't end well. It's an ACL. It's a Achilles. Something like that. And hopefully it is not serious. At the time of recording, we don't know the diagnosis with Matt Nichols. But this is the exact reason why they brought in Darian Durant. So they have an insurance policy to step in for them. And Darian Durant, if he doesn't retire, he wouldn't have to have ever been a backup quarterback. He might have started the season as Winnipeg starter. Well, that hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, like, at some point, somebody's going to make the joke, well, Darian Durant's just sitting at home. Yeah, you won't even need to give you won't need to give him a signing bonus. So I mean, <laughs> you have to give him another one. <laughs> do you make Do you make that phone call? I don't. I don't know. I I think that bridge is burned. I I, I don't know if you can. Hey, like it's that's a tough call. Now, there's always a fascination with other teams trading their backup quarterback to a team once they are. Absolutely desperate. It happens all the time. So, is that not how Matt Nichols ended up in Winnipeg? <laughs> exactly. But it's so hard for a quarterback to step in and basically get a week of practice with a new team and mm-hmm. start. So, we can talk about the Toronto situation. We can talk about Kevin Glenn. We can talk about Travis Lule. Um, there has been talks that the Riders maybe have been shopping Brandon Bridge a little bit. As a Rider fan, 
Brazilian tie. Would you trade Brandon Bridge? And would you trade him to the Bombers? What am I getting for him? Yeah, that's the thing. So we, we asked the question on Twitter, and everybody just absolutely wants a King's Ransom. <laughs> but I, I think part of it is that it involves Winnipeg. If I'm the Riders, yeah, I'd entertain deals on Brandon Bridge. Would I entertain a deal from Winnipeg? I don't know. Jerry says, if I was a Ryder fan, I wouldn't trade Brandon. This injury to Nichols is just further proof that having two solid quarterbacks on roster is a necessity in the CFL. And he's 100% right. These other teams like Saskatchewan, BC, Toronto have worked hard to get depth at the quarterback position because you never know when something like this will will happen. But a West-West quarterback trade, it's probably unlikely. I would think so, but I would literally trade anybody to any team if the return is right. Yeah, everybody's got a price. I think that's what Scott said on Twitter as well. Yeah. Everybody's got the million-dollar man. Everybody's got a price. There, there's no such thing as an untouchable. Like, there's maybe a handful in professional sports of guys who you're not going to get rid of. Um, football, though, like Tom Brady maybe. Other than that. Anybody's expendable. So if 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 you got a hole and you if you have a excess at one position and a hole to fill at another, then it's a no brainer. I, I I don't care who I'm trading them to as long as I'm getting back what I want. Yeah, Dylan says who are all of their Canadian starters and how many draft picks do they have in the next two years? I want all of it. <laughs> yeah. Sounds about right. So most of the replies are from Ryder fans, and of course they've got green glasses on. They either want a King's Ransom or they don't want to trade Brandon Bridge at all. Like I, There's a big obsession with him right now, and there's no doubt that he has been incredible off the bench. Every time he comes off the bench, it has been it's really worked out for him. But when a team is preparing for Kevin Glenn, a pocket passer, and then Brandon Bridge comes out, it's it's tough to change game plans in the middle of a game for a defense. He only started the one game last year, right? And he did look good in that game. But leading up mm-hmm. to it, there was all kinds of speculation. Is the Kevin Glenn arm okay? Is he going to play? And we never really knew, basically until game day, that Bridge was going to be the guy. But, yeah, he threw three touchdowns for Hamilton. And if I remember the game correctly, the first half was not good. Came out in the second half all guns a-blazing, and he pulled out a win for the Riders in September. Mm-hmm. But what's your assessment on Bridge? Like you said, you you have to have a backup quarterback because at some point everybody gets hurt. Um, yeah. That being said, there there's guys out there you can sign um, – that then bring in, but at the same time, like Bridge right now, I wouldn't trade just because it's early in the year. But when you get to the deadline, if if Winnipeg still has that hole and they're willing to pay for him, then see you later. And you know what? Um, Caleros is a little bit of a question mark right now as well. He yeah. hasn't been the guy he was since 2015 and that wasn't even a full season he got hurt right after he only played 12 games yeah right after labor day he got hurt he was the shoe in mop if he was going to stay healthy for the rest of the year so we don't know if he's going to stay healthy for saskatchewan and we don't know how he's going to look performance wise as well so bridge is very valuable to them right now but at the same time if it's the off season and free agencies around the corner and a team wants to lock up his rights or the trade deadline is here, you're not going to get the same return as well. <laughs> no, well gonna... And even now, what, what do you get for a return? Yeah. Uh, he doesn't have a value because he doesn't, he hasn't played enough. Well, and he also doesn't benefit the ratio at all. So why give up a Canadian no. starter for that? Exactly. So it it's really, he's going to be, I don't think it would be tough to trade um, 
it'll be tough to get the value of what he, of what he potentially could turn into because nobody knows what that's going to be yet. We'll stay with a little bit of Rough Rider news. Antonway Grant and Chris Lyles end up getting released, and they end up signing another former NFL back, David Cobb, and a defensive back, Reggie Hall. That is yet another former NFL back for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Now, cut down is not until... Saturday at 10 o'clock Eastern. They do have one more preseason game against the Calgary Stampeders. But this is real crazy with how many running backs the Riders are stocking up on. Messam's getting cut. Yeah, and I kind of... I think that's what's happening. Or are they going to do the thunder and lightning thing? Uh, You know, Messam pounds the ball on first first down and then the, the fast... You know, passing down guys come in for second down. That, that seems a and bit then, crazy with the ratio. Does that I mean, that you bring you're bringing in Rob Bag, who isn't going to start then. So then you're bringing in Bag to fill in Messam's spot on that side of the ball, or like it's going to if they're going to do that, it's going to take some take some creative uh, scheming. But it is Chris Jones, so at some point it will mess up. Yeah, maybe they figured it out because. You would probably have to have Bag and Bailey on the field at the same time, and then mm-hmm. Duran would. If Messam's not on defense, there. yeah, it, it it gets pretty crazy. And they did mess yeah. up the ratio a few years ago and got fined for it. So, yep, and had like eight hundred people on the roster. Yeah, that too. They're going to have eight hundred <laughs> coaches on the roster in the pre-coach roster soon. We'll talk about that soon. Some more <laughs> positive news: June thirtieth against the Alouettes in Regina. It's going to be the Humboldt Strong game. It's really cool to see the Riders get behind the families from that tragic accident that happened in uh, April. But they're inviting all the families uh, of the twenty-nine people on the bus to the game. The first responders and anybody who provided care and comfort in the Humboldt community to that game. They're going to have about 250 people there. they got pins available. I already bought a couple on the Rider Store website, riderstore.ca. Shipping's only two bucks, so I got myself a couple Humboldt strong pins, and it's going to be a pretty emotional day at the end of June in Regina. Oh, for sure, and it shows you just how entwined that team is in, in that entire province. Um. It, it's before the rush came. It was it was nothing but riders, and even now the rush is there. The riders are still probably the best draw in the in the in the province. Um, about Humboldt, though, I was unpacking yesterday or the day before, and I found all my pucks. Turns out I had a Humboldt Broncos puck. Wow! I don't know where I got it. It's it's super old, and it, like I I just grabbed it. It must have been when I was coaching. Just grabbed it because like from the from all when we shot them over the boards or whatever and. Just took it home because the bag was full. Yep, pulled it out yesterday. So it's on top of my fridge. I decided to display it. I, yeah, when I picked it up, I was dumbfounded. I'm like, I don't know where this came from. But, of course, I find it now. Yeah. Wow. It's crazy. That is really cool. So if you're a Ryder fan or Alice fan, football fan, hockey fan, whatever, uh, get out to the game at the end of June if you can. We do have one more preseason game. To quickly mention, the Lions beat the Stamps 36-23. And I think some people were a bit surprised by what happened in the game. Uh, BC's depth beat Calgary's depth. I mean, is that how we... Uh, assess a preseason game here, but Ricky Lloyd looked up. all right. 15 of 23, 121 yards and three touchdowns for the Lions. Bo had five attempts. Uh, he goes three for five, 45 yards. Reports say that he lost 22 pounds in the offseason and they had their red and white scrimmage game over the weekend he had 20 yards rushing, and I'm pretty sure all of last year he had something like 18 yards. Mm-hmm. Bo might be a little bit of a different quarterback this year. I wonder if it's because of his shoulder. If he's throwing 40 to 50 times a game like we've seen him do, he's going to put a lot of wear and tear. If he right. can scramble around and get yards that way, take a, and you know doesn't have to take hits, he can slide, he can run out of bounds. Um, you know, if he can get yards that way, it might, might save his shoulder in the long run. It might just... Uh, help his longevity throughout the year. Not that he's 
Not that we've seen him miss a lot of games, but... And he actually had a rushing touchdown in this one. <laughs> it, it was a two-yard play, but uh, in the past, it would be Andrew Buckley with those plays. Now that mm-hmm. he's gone, uh, is Bo going to be doing the short yardage stuff? Well, if he does, he could be a, an early season steal on CFL Fantasy because he, <laughs> he's not going to get those touchdowns vultured. But we'll have to wait and see. It might just be not a lot of trust in in the backs, backups to handle the ball or what it is. But if he's if he can run the ball, he, oh, it's just scary for the rest of the league. Yeah, there were a lot of times last year, it was almost infuriating watching him. The whole half of the field would be wide open, and he mm-hmm. would not take off. <laughs> yeah. So like, maybe dude, he does that this down. year. Yeah, well, that, that would make it way more exciting because – I get tired of watching Calgary just win in boring fashion week after week. <laughs> you don't want to see them crush anyone by 59 points this year? Hey, I did hit the over. <laughs> you did. <laughs> Whoever hit the covered. over on that. <laughs> <laughs> and they covered. Yeah, I uh, hope they covered. <laughs> 100%. But before we get to Grey Cup ticket sales here, um, we learn that the Stampeders have been talking to Eric Rogers, and he was the CFL's leading receiver the last league or the last time he was in the league. He went to the NFL, ended up tearing an ACL, so he hasn't played a game of football for a couple years. It looks like the Stampeders have agreed to a contract with him pending a physical. If the Stamps are able to bring him in, we talked about how Bo might be a different quarterback. If he's got Devaris Daniel, Kamar Jordan, and Eric Rogers available, Things are looking good for the Calgary Stampeders. Yeah, it's not even fair. <laughs> Rogers is a beast. 1,448 receiving yards, was fourth with 87 receptions, and he had 10 touchdowns, and that led the wow. league. Like, he he was the best receiver in the CFL. And that was before all of – am I wrong here? That was before when they added the illegal contact stuff, wasn't it? Yeah. So he, he might get close so, to 2,000 if he's 100% healthy, I should say. Yeah, that's going to be the thing. If he passes the physical, um, I might have to change my rankings for the Western Division because, uh, let's face it, he's a game-changer on offense. Um, well, their whole offense seems like, seems like they can be game-changers at any given moment, but this just adds to it to... And like I was telling you earlier today, it, it sucks for the rest of the league, but it's also really good for the rest of the league. Um, it's like, you know, you, you get guys that have have went down. Yeah, he's got to come back because he got hurt and he's going to take a chance. But he he's a star in this league. And, you know, he's marketable. That, that's what this league needs. Um, but he's going to torch the eight other teams. Yeah, I hope he's like 100% healthy because the last time he played, <laughs> that guy was a lot of fun to watch. Now... Do you think they'll be able to get him into a game early? I, I, I have to imagine that the Stamps would have liked to have, have had him in training camp. I would have assumed that that was attempted. I don't know if they would have just started this now, but um, I don't know if they want to play him in any training camp games. I'd rather have If he's going to get hurt, I'd rather him get hurt in a regular season. Um, it might take him a little bit, though, through practice and everything to uh, get into somewhat of a game shape and, you know, I don't know how much the playbook would have changed from when he was here, but, I mean, he's, he's he was with the 49ers, so, I mean, that's a whole other playbook. He well, same quarterback, same OC, so he might be able to come in seamlessly. Yeah, it, right, it might, take, it might take a practice or two, and I think he's going to fit right back in. Awesome, let's get to Grey Cup ticket sales. They have mentioned that 51,000 tickets have been sold in, what, four or five days? Something like that. Pretty good. There are less than 5,000 left. Now, I don't know if they're going to get to that six-day record from 2010, but it is a hell of a start, and I think we can learn a couple things from this. I know that the Eskimos have an advantage over basically 90% of the league where they have a big stadium, so they can sell tickets for cheaper and still make that same amount of profit. My tickets in Edmonton are 11 rows up in the upper deck. We're like on the 53 or whatever yard line. And they were $334. Last mm-hmm. year in Ottawa, I paid 528 a piece. And I was not 
on the 50-yard line at all. So there's the I saved $400 going to this great cup with my wife over last year. Of course, the stadium is twice the size, but I hope things change here from the future here on out. The Eskimos have said this great cup is not about making money because look how much money we're putting in the great cup festival. We've seen it in the past where the teams just host the game and just swallow up all that profit and do nothing else for the fans. We saw it in Toronto. In my opinion, we saw it in Vancouver in 2014. 2011 was a great festival. 2014, 2014 kind of just got dropped in their lap, though, too. Yeah, they, yeah, that's true, too. They were basically told to to host a little bit. Uh, I think Ottawa had a great festival. Tickets were expensive. Edmonton is going to have an amazing festival, and I think it might be the greatest of all time. I hope ticket prices stay at this level uh, here on out. Basically, well, and that was a little bit of a mandate from uh, Ambrosi in the last couple of days, saying you, teams that are going to or the host cities and communities better start putting money into the uh, festival because we're not just going to give it to to, to communities anymore. We're not, it's not going to happen like that. You got to show that you know you're going to be a good host and there's going to be a festival surrounding it, and you're not just going to pocket all that money. And now. All that money isn't just going to the host team; it's going to be shared. So, or well, that that seems seems to be the plan from what I've read from Ambrosi. So, I mean, that that's going to be a little bit to do with it. That you know, if you're going to you put on a festival, make it good and make money because everybody's going to get a cut. So, um, it is nice to see though that it's finally like we might have a little bit of a not necessarily a what's the word I'm looking for a mirror image at everything or at every city, but that every city is going to embrace it and, you know, actually making an experience instead of just, you know, Toronto, you might as well just flew it on a Saturday night and flew out Sunday night. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, although I did have some good times at Spirit of Edmonton still. The fans yeah. make the game. And sometimes I think there are a lot more tickets being bought from around Canada than probably people really realize. But when you make your prime ticket 600 bucks or whatever – those people from across Canada are going to be like, screw that. Well, not not only the <laughs> ticket prices, you can fly out of the country for cheaper than it would take to fly from Edmonton to Toronto. Yeah, you know, that's like, not the CFL's problem. It, no, it does suck. It sucks. But, but, and, when but, we're paying that much for flights. Yeah, like, and it's not only tickets that people are going to have to pay for. Like, they're going to have to pay to get there too, right? You're not going to – it's not, not just like a Stanley Cup final where, you know, it's in – Two cities and those those two cities really gobble up all the tickets. Edmonton's got a sixty thousand seat stadium to fill. They're not going to get sixty thousand sold just from Edmontonians. It's a yeah. it's a national it's a national event. So I mean, I, I don't know if they would ever consider maybe looking at you know the the flight prices and maybe adjusting ticket prices accordingly. But it's just one thing that everybody just seems to forget about. That oh yeah, I still got to get there, and then you got to pay for room and board and. You know, four nights in a hotel, and you gotta you gotta eat and drink, and yeah, it gets expensive real quick. Gotta drink and drink, and uh... yeah, I don't eat much at Grey Cup. <laughs> we did mention Randy Ambrosi, and this was a very interesting announcement. the The league ends up approving a cap on the football operations side of things. It's going to limit teams to a coaching staff of 11 and other football operations staff to 17. So that's 28 uh, and the cap is 2.7 million. I'm pretty sure we can call this the Chris Jones rule, but (laughs) let's look at numbers here. Uh, The Red Blacks have 10 on their staff. The Owls have 14. Ticats, 11. Argos, 15. Bombers, 10. Riders, 15. Esks, 13. Stamps, 10. And Lions, 10. So that basically means 13 coaches that are currently on a staff can't have a job in 2019. Of course, 
a lot of organizations already have coaches pulling double duty, and it used to be way more common whether a guy is a receivers coach and a quarterbacks coach or you know, however they plan to do double duty here. But what do you make of this cap on football operations? Because I see a lot of comments on Twitter saying, oh, great, socialism in the game of football now. Oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, first things first, uh, when are the coaches getting their own union? Well, and that's been talked about. They They said mm. they might just fight this. Because um, let's say that this gets put in and all of a sudden the coaches and scouts and management and everything, they form a union. What if the players' CBA gets ratified and done and the coaches doesn't? Now what? You know, we see players get cut because of cap implications. Mm-hmm. Are we going to see that with coaches now I, i'm just spitballing here but no, yeah it's been it's been talked about uh like orlando steinauer and hamilton or even paul lapolis in winnipeg a lot of people would say that hey maybe these guys are head coach ready and that team's not allowed or they can't afford to give him a raise so they have to just lose them i i i don't <clears throat> excuse me i don't know why they need a cap on coaches i really don't um I could understand there only being so many coaches allowed on the sidelines, which I think there, that already is a rule. But it might not be because you see undressed players on there, down there all the time anyway. Um, but if the teams are willing to spend the money, why does the league have to step in and do anything about this? That's what I want to know is why, why does it matter? Yeah, it, the decision here basically just seemed like a financial bottom line decision for Mambrosi for me. And I don't he's just trying to even the playing field, I guess. Because since Ambrosi has been done playing, he's been doing finance. Mm-hmm. And maybe he was just looking at the bottom line and seeing here teams are gonna have or, or teams are trying to keep up with other teams by bringing in more coaches and paying them more and they're just unable to basically make ends meet and there's too much red and not enough green so that that looks to me like this is what he did with this decision well i I totally get the the cost the cost control i totally understand that um but i don't i don't know why you need to limit the number of coaches like sure have a cap in there but why, why, why do you have to limit the number of coaches? If a, guy wants to, if a team wants to have a big staff and those guys are willing to not make as much money, as long as everybody's paying the same amount across the board, why, why do guys have to now lose their job? There's going to be, 13, like you said, 13 coaches that don't have a job now for no reason other than Lee's like, no, you just can't have one. That's basically all it is. This past offseason was basically looked at it possibly being a big quarterback carousel this one might be a coaching carousel it might get crazy after the gray cup yeah like there's gonna be guys let go that are gonna you're gonna be like what oh yeah but then then it's gonna come out that well this is what he made so we didn't have a choice because we wouldn't have been able to afford to have you know you don't want to have less than let's say 10 because that was the lowest number you said so you know, if a guy's making wait, like, well, your head coach isn't going to be taking a pay cut, um, but you know, your your what your defensive backs coach now has to take a twenty thousand dollar pay cut if he's making that much. I don't know. Now he needs to take a, for example, a twenty thousand dollar pay cut so you can fit in another guy under the under the cap, or do you just go with ten coaches and just leave everybody where they're at? So so now you're be, now it's becoming a team. Now now you're running two teams. As, as in, like, as a general manager, and I have to figure out two salary problems, and oh, it's just gonna be a, it's gonna be a huge issue. I don't understand it. I don't understand why there has to be a limit on the number of coaches. I get, I get the cost control, but making guys lose their job is asinine to me. Let's talk about our East Division preview. Hopefully, things get a bit happier here <laughs> until oh. we talk so- about Montreal. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start with the Argonauts. So we'll go through the additions 
here. They bring in Taylor Reed, linebacker from the Red Blacks, which turns out to be a pretty good move because looks like Bear Woods is going to miss the start of the season. They bring in Canadian running back Greg Morris from Saskatchewan. Uh, I kind of wonder if he's going to see some passing down work. Uh, they bring in defensive back Ronnie Yell from BC and defensive lineman Frank Beltre. Leaving the Argos, Cody Fajardo, backup quarterback, kicker Liram Hirelahu, linebacker Rico Murray, Grey Cup MVP Devere Posey is off to the NFL, and defensive back Mitchell White. Where do you see the Argonauts finishing this season? Hosting the East Final. First place again, just First like place. last year, yep. uh, just for bonus points. Are, gonna be, are they going to be playing a West team in the East Final? Ooh. It's mm, a good possibility. It, yeah. <laughs> like, I think there's going to be a West team in the East Semi. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's probably a pretty safe bet. So, uh, <laughs> so you have them finishing first place. Some fantasy names to watch as the season gets underway next week. Well, la- last year, Ricky Ray was his best year out of the last three. Um, you know, he was able to play 17 games. Uh, he only played nine in 2016 and only played three in 2015. But in and I last- think that surprised a lot of people yeah. because the big question heading into last year was, can Ricky Ray stay healthy? And he took a massive shot, I think, in August. Mm-hmm. And it did not look good at all. I think it was Alex Singleton it, it might have been. He yeah. came back. Obviously, the, the rest is history. I don't know. Can he stay that healthy again? Like, What's the safe over-under on games for Ricky Ray this year? I'd say probably 12 and a half. Ooh. Okay, let me let me sleep on that one. Yeah, we can do a little bit of a board bet here. Mm-hmm. But uh, in in those twenty nine games in the last three years, he's averaged nineteen point four one points a game, which is pretty reasonable. And he's got S J Green coming back and Armani Edwards or Edwards, sorry. Um, for the last two seasons, S J averaged sixteen point six two. Edwards was twelve point six two. They uh, both had huge years. Um, Edwards only missed out on 100 yards or 1,000 yards by 38 yards total. And with James Wilder Jr. coming back, it's going to open up so much opportunity for those guys. So Ricky Ray, like, if he stays healthy, he's, he could be scary. Um, and James Wilder in the 15 games he played last year averaged 14.7 points a game. And then you had Martise Jackson, who only averaged 909. 71% of that was special teams, so tread carefully there. Wilder... Did not start the season as their running back last year, and when they used him, he absolutely lit it up. Now, teams are going to expect James Wilder this year. Can he make the 1,000-1,000 season happen? I think if, if there's a guy right now that could do it, other than Andrew Harris, who almost did it, um, I think James Wilder's a safe bet. I really do because he's he's so he's he's I hate using this because I sound like Buck Martinez, but he's such an athlete. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, no, no crap, Buck. The guy plays sports, um, but yeah, if like especially with who he's got, like he plays in the East Division, so the majority of the games are going to be be against a little bit of a weaker opponent. So I think he's got a good shot at it. I kind of worry about. Uh, Toronto's offensive line depth a little bit. They traded Mason Woods to Edmonton for uh, was that the James Franklin deal? Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure they traded Mason Woods. So the depth a little thin there. And without Devere Posey, there is room for another receiver to come out of nowhere and make some, I think, good noise for the Toronto Argonauts. Uh, Brian Timms, who had some alright games with the Hamilton Tiger Cats is big, and I'm pretty sure he is S.J. Green's brother-in-law. So <laughs> he joined the Argos in September, and a full training camp with the team. He might be a name to watch as the season gets underway. And you know what? Who I liked last year was the fullback, Declan Cross. When Anthony Coombs went down, Declan Cross came in, and he got some receiving looks from Ricky Ray, and I kind of wonder if that's going to be a role that maybe Greg Morris is going to play 
this yeah, year. Well uh, some of those receiving yards out of the backfield because Ricky Ray likes to do that. Instead of uh, forcing the ball down the field, he'll he'll take the safe option. He's still throwing it further to the sideline than he would be down the field. Yeah, it, they're not easy <laughs> throws. No, uh, and and to Anthony Coombs, um, if he if he stays healthy, like, he only averaged seven point two three points. But depend if you look at the matchup, like it depends on who they're playing too, right? So it, any game could really be a breakout game uh, if you look back at at numbers. But um, their their offense with SJ, if SJ stays healthy and Ricky Ray stays healthy, is going to be top notch again. I have the Argos finishing first as well, but uh, it's going to be close between one and two for me. Let's go to Ottawa and look at their departures. They lose Adam Berger to the Calgary Stampeders. What a and great it, name. Yeah, it totally is. Too bad it's not B-U-G-E-R. B-U-R-G-E-R. <laughs> two on the Looks nose. like he's having a good camp, and some people have wondered if he's going to start at safety and let uh, Tunde Adelike maybe move to uh, linebacker. Uh, but mm. Jerron Kreiner is off to Edmonton, Zach Evans, and Jake Hardy to Saskatchewan, and the aforementioned Taylor Reed is going to Toronto. As for additions, most of them happen on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, on the offensive side, Julian Fioli Gadino from Winnipeg comes over. They get Rico Murray, linebacker AC Leonard, Michael Clausen, Luchez Purifoy, and Kyrie Zibert. The last remaining Ottawa Renegade is now with the Red Blacks. By the way, did you see his boneheaded play in that preseason game? Last week, I think it was Matthew Schiltz looking to run out of bounds, and Ebert dives from about five yards out trying to – what are you doing, Kyrie? This is why people are don't like you around the league. I like him, but lots don't. I was trying to watch it, but tell, I don't know if you'll believe me or not. I was sitting in the Arby's drive through trying to order my supper. Oh, I love me some Arby's. And now Arby's has Coca-Cola instead of Pepsi, so it's a total game what? changer. Oh, yeah. What? Dude, I <laughs> honestly sometimes pick fast food restaurants depending on the pop. Yeah, I don't even I don't like Subway that much anymore because they only have Pepsi. I will skip Arby's because they have Pepsi, but this is a game changer. I need to call my wife. Yep. I'll wait till after the show. Um, don't get her on now. <laughs> <laughs> No, but yeah, I was trying to watch on my phone and trying to order, and yeah, but I, I didn't end up seeing the replay. Yeah, I, I don't know what goes through this guy's head. <laughs> Where do you see uh, Ottawa finishing? I have them at third place. I do as well. Uh, are okay. you sure you're not just reading my sheet? Well, I think you copied <laughs> me. Um, last year, I just went alphabetical order, so I'm trying to change that strategy yeah. a little bit. <laughs> what are some fantasy names? BC finished fifth. <laughs> what are some fantasy names to watch? Well, it's CFL, so of course you got Trevor Harris. And for the last few years, we've been saying he's the poor man's Mike Riley. Um, turns out we might have been a little wrong. Um, you know, they they averaged kind of the, around the same points, and Riley was fourteen thousand dollars, and Harris was around ten. Um, but you paid for it because Harris in the in the the best in these last three years, he had his best year at 20.2 points a game. Uh, and he's still got Ellingson and Sinopoli. So if, if he stays healthy, like if he's okay and those guys stay healthy, uh, they, they should be fine. Um, you know, on the outside, he had three receivers last year with over 100 catchers or over 100 catches and two with over 1,000. Uh, you know, that was Ellingson and Sinopoli. However, Ellingson did snag 12 touchdowns to Sinopoli's three. So if uh, you're looking for... For those quick points, that's that's one way to go. Um, do you, do you know how many yards William Powell lost the rushing title by last year? Couldn't have been much. It was nine. Oh, he, he missed six games. Wow. Yeah, in the last three years, albeit only nineteen games, he's averaged fifteen point three eight points per game. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, it, I'm a William Powell fan. He, yeah. he runs angry, mm-hmm. and that's and I like he, that. That's probably why he gets hurt. <laughs> uh, and, and, yeah, that's true. And to, Moses Madu is going to be cheap if Powell is healthy, and he's not going to get a lot of work. So, just I would just stay away from that situation if you can. You know, this season I think Deontay Spencer yeah, might be- have 
the season of the decade. It might, yeah, it might be a huge breakout year. Um, and last I, year I was pretty damn good. I was gonna say I don't know if it's possible to break out more, but he had that <laughs> incredible game near the end of the yeah. season. Did he five hundred yards? Four hundred and ninety-six. <laughs> okay, as far as fantasy goes, how many points was that game? That game was worth 27.8. Holy he, man. He had a game earlier in the year uh, where he returned a punt and had a passing or a receiving touchdown, um, and that was worth 32.5, and, and that was against the Stamps. So he had all those yards, but not necessarily all that many uh, touchdowns. This was the game near the end of the year against Hamilton, right? Yes. It was their last game, I believe. Yeah, it was their last game. Last game of the regular season. So Mm -hmm. if (laughs) they continue to do this stuff with Deontay Spencer, the guy might have a, you know, Chad Owens circa 2012 type season. Oh, and how good of a season was that? Yeah, we can't forget about Chad Owens. He's already mad at you, so. Oh, whatever. Shout out to the fly in Hawaii. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, Uh, Chad. (laughs) Let's go to the Hamilton Tiger Cats. The additions here, as far as CFL free agents, yeah, it's pretty light, but the, the Tiger Cats didn't make, you know, the biggest changes in the world. They bring in Johnny Manziel and Liram Hyralahu. They lose Zach Caleros, uh, Andy Fantuz. We don't, we don't really know. I don't think he's officially retired. They lose defensive back Dominique Ellis to Montreal, and Ryan Bombin as well heads to Montreal. Where do you have the Tiger Cats finishing here? I have them finishing second in the East Division. Yeah, me as well. Uh, well any I thought you fantasy would have had Montreal there. <laughs> I know. Any fantasy names to watch? Uh, well, when Masoli took over last year, uh, the last 10 games of the season, in those games, so these are all the quarterbacks in the last 10 games of the year for, for them respectively, he finished third in passing yards, fourth in passing touchdowns, first in rushing yards, second in rushing TDs, and tied for first in interceptions thrown. So he, he plays he was, well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he might have arguably been at least the second best quarterback in the league for those ten games. Um, yeah, he was able to protect the ball at the end yeah. of last year. Not so much in the preseason game, but if he can keep what he did last year up, then oh, yeah, I, I, I like that. Uh, in the games that he's played in the last year, he's only averaged eleven point four six points. Uh, a lot of those games, though, are you know like Andrew Buckley. Uh, just you know, he's dressed. Yeah. He gets the short yardage stuff, but if he has a regular starting job, those numbers are going to be huge. For the, like this year's average will be way over that, much like the averages were in the last ten games of last year. Um, Terrence Tolliver is is back. Uh, that's going to be a big help to this offense. Um, you know, in the fourteen games he's played in the last two years, he averaged about sixteen points a game. Luke Tasker at fifteen and a half. Jalen Saunders at fourteen point one, and then they saw Brandon Banks um, coming in. Averaging just under 13.2, but just a caution with Banks, a third of his points come as uh, special teams points. So I mean, you kind of want to tread carefully there. You're, you're, you're really banking on a return, a return touchdown. And if Alex Green uh, is going to be the guy after Gable left, I, I was assuming he'd do it again this year. Uh, he averaged 15.57 in the six games he played along with uh, five touchdowns. Yeah, I think Banks had an incredible run last year. I'd like to see him do it again for a full season. When do you see Manziel starting for the Tiger Cats? Because the Tiger Cats have a bit of a gauntlet when they open the series. They have both Alberta teams in the first two weeks. Then they got Winnipeg, and then they have two games against Saskatchewan. It's, uh, I mean, if you're going to win the Grey Cup, if you're going to make the playoffs, you have to beat the best teams and certainly they think that they can hang with the best teams. But if they struggle early on, then we might be seeing Johnny sooner rather than later. <sighs> and I feel bad for uh, Mazzoli. He's been working for yeah. eight years and finally got his shot. I, I, don't, know, I don't know if June Jones is going to pull the trigger that quick. I uh, I don't really I feel like Jones would if Austin was still the guy. Also, then, Masoli isn't Coach June's guy. 
right? It's like when you hire yeah. a new GM, the coach that was there is a sitting duck. So maybe Masoli is just a sitting duck because they brought in Manziel. They want to bring in Manziel last year, and they they weren't allowed to do it. Same with Art Bryles because, you know, that's a June Jones guy. He's trying to put his fingerprint on this team, so you might have a point. Um, but if they're winning, there's no way, in my opinion. Yeah, if they win, then Johnny, he sits on the he sits on the bench for a little bit. But if they don't, then the pressure is going to come on the team. Just watching the preseason game on TV last week, there were some young guys in the in the stands wearing Cleveland jerseys. I don't know who in their right mind will buy a Cleveland jersey, but doing the Money Manziel sign. So oh. <laughs> he can only do it with one hand now because he's not making as much as he was in, at Texas A and M. Oh my God, Manziel! <laughs> this is this is going to be an absolute circus uh, until he does start. And if, if he sucks, ooh, it, it, it's it sucks because the pressure I think is a little bit on both quarterbacks mm-hmm. here. Now it's all on Mazzoli. He's, he's got to perform. Manziel breathing down his neck, and Manziel wants to perform to get back to the states. Mm-hmm. So um, <laughs> there's just, a lot to lose for both guys. Touching back on Brandon Banks here before we uh, move on. In the last 10 games that he played last year, he had 959 receiving yards. So if he that's picks up, if he picks up where he left off, that's not going to be too bad of a year. Um, he, in that stretch of those 10 games, he'd have a stretch of five games in a row of over 100 yards receiving and uh, three, eight touchdowns. So... <laughs> that's okay. So now I like uh, Hamilton's receiving core a little bit. Mm-hmm. Tasker, Saunders, Banks, Tolliver. Eh, they got some good names there, and if they can make it work, I like Alex Green at running back as well. Yep. Uh, they, they can be a tough team uh, coming into the season. Now we go to Montreal. Don't, don't pick I... anybody. <laughs> yeah, because when we're talking fantasy, we're talking offense. And yeah. I actually think the Alouettes will be a scrappy team. I, I don't think you'll be able to stomp all over them. But we even saw it last year at the beginning of the year. Their um, their defense was keeping them in games a little bit. And a defense does get worn down as the season goes on, though. And, and that might be what happens here. Because if you look who they've brought in on defense... They they might be able to steal a couple games here. So as far as defensive back goes, you got Tommy Campbell, Joe Burnett, Mitchell White, and Dominique Ellis. They've built a damn good veteran secondary right there. Well, Calgary built half of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they, they totally did. So Kyle Knox, he was in the conversation for starting linebacker in Winnipeg last year. So they bring him to Montreal. He knocked Mwamba. So there's another Canadian guy up the middle. They get Ryan Bombin from Hamilton uh, on the offensive line. Jamal Westerman from Winnipeg on defensive line. The guy's a game changer. They also get Quinn Van Gilswick. So they brought in a lot of talent. They lost Darian Durant. I don't know if that's much of a loss. Uh, Christopher Greaves, they lose that offensive lineman to BC. But what is missing from the additions is a quarterback. Uh, we start the season with Drew Willie at the helm for the Alouettes. So the that side of things, that side of the ball is tough. There have been 13 starting quarterbacks since Calvillo's departure five years ago. That hurts. That That is not a way to run a football a football team. <laughs> it's been five no. years. And they got thirteen starting quarterbacks. Like they, Cleveland Browns have more, but it, that's why both these teams respectively are in the bottom of their leagues. It with, totally without, does without, go without without a quarterback. You don't. You have nothing. You don't have a team. It totally goes without saying that we do have them finishing uh, last in the Eastern Division, finishing and a- last in the league. Yeah, and last in the league. But I, I I think if they use this season and continue on the path that they're going, 
eh, they still don't have a quarterback. That's still a big problem. Yeah. Things might start to change after this season. Uh, they do have Chris Williams. They do have B.J. Cunningham. It looks like maybe they're going to move Ernest Jackson inside, I, and I think that's where Jackson needs to be. It uh, looked mm-hmm. like T.J. Graham was going to be a uh, starter for them on the as a receiver. Now looks like Jamal Robinson will get his chance with the Montreal Alouettes. So we don't know how Drew Willey is going to work out. Um, we don't know if he's going to be able to get a, get the ball to his receivers at all. So picking a receiver is a little bit of a risk. On the other hand, I, I think Tyrell Sutton is not the worst option in the world depending on his price in fantasy because you know when he plays and when he's healthy, they give him the ball a lot. Yeah, because they have no other options. <laughs> right? But yeah. that <laughs> that being said, uh, Tyrell Sutton in week one, as of right now, uh, is going to cost you $6,312. So he's not that cheap. Uh, his average against BC, he averages just under 12.5 points. And you're going to pay $6,300 for him. That's a little high. Yeah, it is a little high. You're right. When, when you got Andrew Harris, who's making... $22 more and gets double the points. So. And it, Harris has always stepped up against the Eskimos somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's the Eskimo killer, right? So yeah. at <laughs> at some point, Ty, Tyrell Sutton's not a viable option. Um, at, the, at the price point he's at, no no way do I touch him until he un- – I don't pick anybody from Montreal right now until it's week four or five and we've seen what they actually are and who's getting the targets and, you know, what Drew really can do this year because it just seems it's Jekyll and Hyde with him. So uh, I'm I'm, I'm avoiding Montreal at all costs when it comes to fantasy. I like playing defenses against them. Yeah, I'm starting BC week one. (laughs) And they're the cheapest defense in the, the league. Yes, they are. Uh, $3,200, they average 11.83 points against Montreal. They are the highest average versus matchup for week one. All right, I'll take it. <laughs> and the che- and tied for the cheapest, so that's, that's a straight-up value pick. So we do have four more preseason games before the real games start. Uh, Toronto and Ottawa wrap things up tonight. Tomorrow uh, we've got two games, Calgary, Saskatchewan, Winnipeg, B.C., and then Saturday, Hamilton and Montreal. Noon Eastern and Saturday at 10 p.m. Eastern is when rosters need to be cut down and then week one right around the corner. We'll be back Monday morning talking about the final preseason games, doing our West Division preview as well. Brazilian tie. We're one week away from the Bullets being live. I totally cannot wait for the season to start. Oh, super excited. And opening weekend is also our buddy stag weekend, so it's going to be even better. Oh, yeah, it's going to be a good time. So leave a rating and review on iTunes. Subscribe to us basically wherever podcasts are found. If, you, if you're if listening to this on something you don't like listening to us on, let me know, and I'll try and get it somewhere else as well. You can fire us an email, twoandoutcfl at gmail.com. Have a good one. We'll talk to you Monday morning. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter. 